Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. We are currently in a sermon series called Live Like Heaven Is Here. I was preparing the sermon, that title kind of worked something inside of me, a bit of tension when I was thinking through it. Because live like heaven is here, kind of create the idea like heaven. I would like the title to actually say live heaven is here. Because like give us the op. Kind of give us the, the idea that we have the, the option to choose if it's going to be heaven here. But Isaiah 6 says that the glory of the Lord fills the entire earth. Heaven is here already. And because heaven is here, we should live as we are in heaven. It will change us everything about us. I, uh, one of my favorite, favorite movies, funny enough, as I heard a quote by someone this week, he says, uh, if you love coffee, if you love movies, and you love God, you're an Every Nation member. <laughs> I... <laughs> One of my favorite movies is Narnia. I just love that, that movie. There's three volumes of it. I enjoyed watching the movie. My daughter loved reading the books. And something about Narnia that really struck me is this little girl, Lucy. Lucy is my favorite character. But Narnia is made up out of three volumes. The first volume, or the first novel, goes about the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Lucy, Peter, Susan, and Edmund discovered the secret entrance to Narnia. And it's just such a beautiful explanation of how she gets into this closet, hiding away from her siblings, and then discover Narnia. And it just absolutely reminded me that Jesus is the door. That she discovered the door to the kingdom of God. And it's just a beautiful analogy there. And then the second novel is absolutely my favorite. If you would ask me from Narnia, which is my favorite, this one is my favorite. Uh, it's called The Prince, uh, Prince Caspian. And uh, the four siblings are standing, the opening scene as they're standing in the subway, and there's a train coming past by, with a massive speed, and suddenly the, the scene on the other side of the, real, the railway starts to change, and they found themselves again in Narnia. And when I looked at it, it's like the impression is it's like the rushing wind of the Holy Spirit that came through and reminded them of Narnia and take them into Narnia. And this is like the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that rushes through their lives and take them into Narnia. The third novel that I love 
is the voyage of the dawn teacher. Lucy and Edmund and their cousin enter Narnia. But the opening scene of this one is completely different. They were standing in the room fighting, and the next moment this painting, the water just started to gush out of it, and it fills up the room, and the next moment they found themselves again in Narnia. That just makes me think, man, it's, it's like baptism. It is like they were baptized, and they found themselves in Narnia again. And it's just such a beautiful analogy for me. The second novel is absolutely, as I said, my best and my favorite. And there's this specific scene in Narnia where Lucy and her, her siblings got lost. They actually got to a fork in the road and they didn't know where to go to. And Lucy saw Aslan. And she said, we should go this way. I saw Aslan. And everyone else tells and says, Lucy, you imagine yourself things. And no one listens to Lucy. And they take the other fork and they went the wrong direction. And they went for most a day in the wrong direction. But I love what Lucy said to them when they told her, she knows he went, uh, sorry, when she pleads with him, she says, I didn't think I saw him. I saw him. Just her absolute surety that she saw Aslan. I think what made Narnia so beautiful, it is like in that brokenness, still in that pain, still in that fighting and and. and, and Waging a war, there is the presence of Aslan that changes everything. And that's the most beautiful scene for me about our, our love and our walk with Christ. But then, later on, Lucy managed to see Aslan again. And she says to him, she says, Will the others see you too? Ask Lucy. Certainly not at first, said Aslan. Later on, it depends. But they won't believe me, said Lucy. It doesn't matter, said Aslan. You know, for Lucy, and what I love about this character of Lucy is that she portrays a character that actually sets up against religion. What it looks like to be in relationship with God um, opposed to what it looks like to be in religion. I just love this scene. And it's such a special story for me. I think what is sad for me, though, in that very same novel, at the end of it, is that Susan and Peter, the two elder siblings, were not allowed to get back to Narnia. Because they became adults. They were no longer children anymore. And I love the, this quote. It says, especially to mark the transition of Susan and Peter from childhood to adulthood. And therefore, their last visit to Narnia is, is tied directly to the idea of experiencing of childhood. So when children grow up out of childhood, they go 
they grow out of Narnia. And that just reminded me of how we so get so used to this walk with Jesus that we actually grow out of Narnia. Now what we're supposed to see is what we don't see anymore because our responsibilities have become such a weight upon us that we actually grew up with our responsibility that we no longer have those childlike faith. Now, I think I want to take you back to a story about 2,000 years ago. And I want you to ask you to Go with me to Luke 11, verse 1 to 3. Uh, Luke 11, verse 1 to 13. This is the story about Jesus. 2,000 years ago, I want to take you to a Narnia episode. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and while he finished, and, and when he finished, one of his disciples says to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples, and he said to them. Now, I want you to put a pin in there. Because look at the disciple. He was, Jesus was praying at a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples went to him and says, Lord, teach us to pray. Just put a pin in there. We're going to get back to that. And then he says, when you pray, say. Now, that is a powerful point there. I want you to, to make a note of that. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, now listen, Jesus is continuing the teaching here. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend Say to me, friend, say with me, friend, who of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and has nothing to set before him. And he will answer him within, do not bother me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks find, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Oh, then Jesus goes on with the teaching. What father, put a pin in there, father. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to, to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Say with me, much more. Much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who seek Him. Today we're going to speak about prayer. 
if we talk like live heaven is here, there's one vital component when we are in heaven, we're going to communicate with God. We have to pray. I mean, it's like I wake up in the morning and Natasha walks into, out of the room and I have not said good morning to her. She's going to think this is odd. This man has been living with me for how long and now suddenly he's not talking to me anymore. What kind of a marriage is this? I remember when I was dating Natasha, I was staying in Johannesburg and she was in Woodbank. And every night at 6 o'clock, she gave me a bottle of coins. I was studying and she was working, so she gave me this massive bottle of coins. 6 o'clock, I will be at the tiki box. I don't know if you know what a tiki box is. It is a phone that you pay to phone someone else. I did not have a cell phone. Cell phones did not exist at that time. So as it winter, summer, it doesn't matter. Six o'clock, I'm at that ticket box. I put my coins in and I'm talking to Natasha like, it's, like the days is going by. I had so much to tell her because she was not with me. And I wanted to share my whole day with her. And I just want to talk to her. But then when we got married, she, she shared most of that with me. Our conversations is no, no longer so long because what I would say to her, have you seen that? Have you noticed that? And our relationship has developed and it has grown into we experiencing things together. Now when I read the scripture about Jesus who was sitting and he was praying, his disciple looked at him and he says, man, there's something about him that is different that I have ever seen. Now this disciple is a Jew. He grew up in a Jewish culture. Now for him, he was constantly around people praying. He went to the temple. He saw men praying. It was no, no secret to him. It was not unknown to him. And what I love about it is that the Bible nowhere says he went to the Pharisee and asked him to pray. But when he saw Jesus praying, he says, there's something different here. So I want to lay four before you four C's when we talk about Jesus, about prayer today. And my first one would be um, consistence. But I want you to draw a line through consistence. <laughs> I want you to change that word for me to conscious. I think conscious is a far better word. Because when this disciple looked at Jesus, he saw something that I've seen in Narnia when Lucy saw Aslan and she went and hugged him. And she wanted to be close to him. I think when this disciple was looking at Jesus, he saw the way he talks to the Father is something that I have not seen. I have not seen so much passion and so much love. You see, uh, when we say conscious, Jesus was conscious about the presence of his father. Like Lucy, when she saw Aslan, she knew it was him. She related differently. It is a posture. We, cons we, we, we um, oh my word, I lost my word. Uh, <laughs> we conscience. 
about this kingdom that we're living in. Even if, it's bro- if, if we're living in a broken world, we know there's a presence of God with us. Jesus lived in this broken world, but when he related with his Father, there was something that this disciple seen that he says, I need that. I need to be taught to pray like that. There's this absolute sense that he was conscious of his Father's presence. that's the first C when we talk about prayer is that we are conscious about God. It is not when things go stuff in our lives, now suddenly we go to the prayer closet (laughs) to be conscious. It's a posture, an awareness that God is with me every moment of the day. My friend John, who got back from Guam, I remember he phoned me from Guam and I was talking to him on the phone. And as I speak to him, he shared some stuff that he's trusting the Lord for. And as I find myself, I'm just praying for John. We probably have prayed together five times through that conversation without making it weird. But Jesus was there. We were... We were conscious about God's presence. We were conscious that only God can bring and make a difference. And therefore, prayer should not be something that is weird to us. It's something that we are conscious about. As I'm conscious about Natasha, as I'm conscious about my children, when I walk into the kitchen, I say, Hey, champ, how are you? How was your night? That was something that's just happening in our house. I don't have to pinch myself every time. I oh, remember your child walking. I'm conscious of them. It's a relationship, right? And that's the beauty of prayer. It's a relationship. And I think when this disciple shows this relationship, he says, man, I need that. Give me some of that. <laughs> that word teach just inspires me so much. I... I Five years ago, I weigh 120 kilograms. Many of you in this room might know how I look like. Um, I was quite a chubby. And uh, I lost 42 kilograms. And a lot of men came to me and asked me, how did you do that? And there was a lot of questions coming over the time. And I said, yeah, man, how did you do that? How did you get it right? Two weeks ago, sorry, three weeks ago, I got a call from someone and says, listen, I've got seven men from our church and I desperately want to lose weight. And they created this group and they said, we want you to coach us. My goodness. You know what? They've seen something. And that inspires them to say, come and help us. Teach us. And I, I just want to say, you know what, this disciple, when he saw something in Jesus' life, it was different than he had ever seen. And he says, Jesus, teach us. I love, I love this statement, this quote by Charles Spurgeon. 
I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. Waken, waking and sleeping doesn't change God, it changes me. That constant need that I need to be with Him, it flows out of me. It is to be absolutely conscious about my need for Him. My second C is constituent. That I had to practice that word. Yo, I'm telling you, it, it was the weirdest word the first time I said it. My wife looked at me and she laughed. <laughs> and then I knew I had it completely wrong. Constituent. Now the word constituent means oxygen is a constituent of air. And now when we think about prayer, it's constituent that we need to speak. Jesus said, this you must say. Say this. Prayer is not without words. Prayer consists out of words. And it's made out of words. But I love how Jesus then organized those words. When he teaches his disciples to pray, he says, Our Father that art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. As it is in heaven, let it so be on earth. Did you notice Jesus didn't say, give us our daily bread first? Did you notice that he didn't say, Jesus, give me a car? He says, let your kingdom come. You be hallowed. Your name be made great. That your kingdom come. That your will will be done. You see, prayer is all about Him. It is us saying, God, it's about your will. It is about you. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your will will be done. Because my will is broken, God. My will is not good. I want your will to, to inhabit the earth. And then I love that scripture in Matthew 6, verse 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When Jesus teaches his disciples, that is exactly what he teaches him. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then he goes on and he says, give us our daily bread. You see, the const... Constitutant. <laughs> uh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Genevieve. <laughs> Our prayer is that it is made out of words. Now we have to speak. We actually have to use our mouths when we pray. But then also, how we pray becomes very important. It is about His kingdom and His will. And then He says, give us our daily bread. 
Now, the beautiful thing for me from that is, is that Jesus is saying, well, God is about your kingdom, but we need you to provide for us. We need you to provide for us. And man, then this prayer getting more and more excited to me when he says, he says, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. Oh my goodness. What does that mean? Now, you see, the more you spend time in God's presence, the less you want to do sin. <laughs> so what we're actually saying is, God, give us more of you. So that I will not be tempted. So that evil will not rule over me. I want your presence, more of your presence, more of your presence. So that I can say no to temptation. That I can say no to the evil. And when you think about this prayer, it is made up out of words. And it's constructed in a way to say, God, more and more and more of you. My third C. Oh, let me first go here to John G. Lake. Do you know what prayer is? It is not begging God for this or that. The first thing we have to do is to get your beggars to quiet begging until a little faith moves in your soul. <laughs> I remember a couple of years ago when I was still in business, we uh, had this one client. He was really one of the biggest clients. He was Grant Andrews. Um, he was one of the well-known office suppliers within the market. And uh, Grant Andrews phoned me up one day and he says, Tiam, can I come and see you? I didn't know Grant Andrews from a bar of soap at that moment. I never expected Grant Andrews to phone me. Came to me and he says to me, can you make some furniture for me? I says, I says sure, no problem. I said, but why didn't you speak to my partner, Franz, because he knows you better? He says, I don't speak to a beggar. He says, because Franz says to me, he needs my business. I don't want someone who needs my business. I want to give my business to someone. If I'm going to give it to him, he's going to steward it well. He says, and I have watched you. I have seen how you did business. You're not a beggar. You don't need my business. I know if I'm going to give my business to you, you're going to do it well. Because he saw something. And that just amazed me. You know, every time we get into God, is, oh God, give me, give me, give me, give me. It's not about give me. It's about faith. It's about faith. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. That is a statement of faith. Let it be as it is in heaven. Let it so be on earth. Now that is faith. I want to see our nation transformed as it is in heaven. I want to see South Africa as it is in heaven. That is faith. And it's going to move me to pray for South Africa. To see the kingdom of God coming in our nation. So prayer is to be conscious of God. Always conscious.
to be aware of and responding to one's surrounding, having knowledge of God. And that is just the beauty for me. Prayer consists, is const, const, oh my word, dear Lord, I practice this word. My dad once told me a story, he says to me, when he was in school, he had this guy in the class, they had to read an English book. And every time he gets to a very difficult English word, he would say, heavy word, skip. <laughs> now this feels like me today, heavy word, skip. <laughs> Constituent. There we go, thank you. I just need a bit of help, just needed a bit of help, thank you very much. The third C, oh, I haven't changed that word yet. Draw a line through it. But I love the word cheeky, actually. But the word is actually courage. You can replace the word cheeky with courage. Because you know what? Cheeky is like David. He's 14 years old. <laughs> that sounds familiar, level. <laughs> David is 14 years old. A man is that man cheeky, but a beautiful cheeky. I love his cheekiness. It is just such a boldness that's coming from him. And last night when I was sitting with John, he helped me, my dear friend John, he says to me, Tian, courage. And that word just resonated with me. Courage. You know, when Jesus goes on and he teaches his disciples that prayer is about it's about, now I struggle with my C words. Can you help me? First C. <laughs> Conscious. <laughs> I'm just testing you. <laughs> my second word is consti constituent. And then the third word is courage. Because Jesus says, he says, who are you if he has a friend who come at night and you don't have anything to set forth. He's going to his neighbor's house, his friend's house, and he knocks and he says, give me some bread. And he used that word impudence. The word pudent means to be ashamed or modest. Impudent means to be non-ashamed. Unashamed. And it's that courage, that unashamedness when we approach God. We come with boldness. You know what makes me so... What makes me love David so much is when he walks in that kitchen and he's just cheeky. He comes in with a boldness and he is looking for trouble with his dad. A man is not ashamed. He comes as a child into that kitchen. When he comes and asks me, it's not, oh daddy, please, can I beg you? Like that, can you help me? Can you give me? <laughs> can we... Can you help me teach me how to do this? And it's that unashamedness of David that just stirs my heart. And we see that in Hebrews, Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Man, we walk into His presence as children. 
And I just love when Jesus teaches this disciple. He teaches him not just the Lord's Prayer, not just the, the constituent of... Yes, I've got it. There we go. Not just the constituent of prayer, but he teaches him that come with boldness. Come as a son. Come as a son and a daughter when you come to me. Funny enough, Jesus used the word friend. Remember I asked you to pin that word friend? And he uses that word four times in that same sentence. Because he wants us to see God as a friend. He wants us to see God as a friend to us. That God is not angry and upset with us. Because some other places Jesus taught and he says, don't be like the Pharisees. <laughs> don't pray like them. Man, we come to God as a friend. We come to him and ask him, impudent. We're coming with courage before God. And that is the beauty of it. And my last C, that I believe is a, what Jesus is teaching his disciple, is chunks. Now, this is the best part for me. I think Jesus built up that teaching to a climax. And he says, much more. Much more. And when I use the C, I, I wanted to use that word, chunks more. You know, we ask for boulders, but God gives... Uh, we're asking for pebbles, but God gives us boulders. You know, we come and we ask for a car. <laughs> God wants to give you far more. When Jesus, <laughs> when Jesus said, he says, Which of you, if your son comes to you and asks you for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Or if he asks for a bread, you will give him a stone. He says, you who are actually evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, how much more will your father not give you the Holy Spirit? Now, that is the most beautiful analogy that we use then we use it a lot when we talk about baptism with the holy spirit i think it's slightly far more than that yes it is about the baptism of the holy spirit but god says when you come to me don't compare me that i would do even worse than your fathers when you come to me and you ask me do you think i'm going to be worse than your fathers that if you ask me for a, for a bread, I'm going to give you a stone? Your fathers need no to do better than that. He says, no, I want to do chunks more for you. When you come and ask me, I want to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the gift of the Holy Spirit? It's the indwelling of God's presence. I want to give you my presence. I want you, when you pray for a child, I want to give you far more than that. I want to give you my presence. When you ask me for a bread, I don't want to give you just a bread. I want you to give my presence to you. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. 
When you ask me for something, I want to give you my presence. Because that is what you need. That is what's satisfied. <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing. I, I walked with Pastor Charles who preached last Sunday. We went down to, uh, to Zoo Lake. And uh, we went to share the gospel with some guys. And it's a team of five guys. We're just sharing the gospel. And then five people gave their lives to Jesus that day. And we walked back. And Pastor Charles is like, he glows. And I see to him and say, Pastor Charles, when I look at you, I think about that scripture where Jesus was sitting with the Samaritan woman. And his disciples come and they bring him food and say, Master, you must eat. And Jesus says, I have food that you don't know about. And when we came from that park, we had food that people didn't know about. We were satisfied. And God says, when you ask of me, I want to give you my presence. I want to give you far more than what you ask. I want to bless you with heaven. I want to bless you with my presence. So, the best way for me to illustrate that story would be probably the story of Zechariah. In Luke 1, we pick up Zechariah from verse 13 to 17. Zechariah is ministering at the temple. He's a, he's a priest. And as he walked into the temple and he ministered, an angel appeared next to him. Now, Zechariah is the dad of John the Baptist. We all know that story. But I love the words, and I want to read this to you. The angel said to Zechariah, he says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now think a little bit about this. The Bible says also just a bit earlier on that Zechariah and Elizabeth was very old. So when did they pray this prayer for a son? Was it when they were old? Or was it when they were in the prime of their life? When did they pray this prayer? And God heard their prayer. But listen what God does then. He says, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. God says, I don't just give you a son. He will bring you much joy and gladness, and many will be glad about his birth. You ask me, Zechariah, for a son? I will give you more. For he will be great before the Lord. Now who of you don't want your children to be great before the Lord? And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. He will dwell in the presence of God still in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will, be, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the judge, of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Zechariah, you ask me for a son, 
I'll give you a son, but something far more. He will prepare the way for the Messiah. I answer your prayer, but I give you far more chunks, more than what you asked for, Zechariah. God heard his prayer the moment he prayed it. But God answered the prayer when he was old. And he had received far more what he has bargained for. Have you received far more than what you bargained for? <laughs> Have you ever prayed a prayer and, man, God has just done something miraculous for you? You know, Natasha and myself, I'm going to land now with this. Our house burned down a couple of years ago. <laughs> we went out for Father's Day. Never go out on Father's Day. Don't stay out of the church. It's not a good thing. <laughs> we come back from Father's Day and our house is in smoke. And I remember that moment when all our memories get lost. And the fire brigade left and everything, everyone left. I went to the backyard and I fall onto my knees. I said, Jesus, I don't understand this. <laughs> but I know you. I don't know what you do, but do it. Because there's something that needs to die inside you. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I can tell you, a couple of months later, our house was rebuilt. All of the things that we wanted to do in the past was done. All of the things that we didn't have money for to do, it was done. Because the end was far better than our beginning. Because God has taken us through this journey and He has given far more, chunks more, than what we could have ever prayed or asked for. Now, <laughs> as a young man, I was 16, I did my driver's license. Um, so I did my, my learner. And I paged through a Farmer's Weekly magazine and I saw this advert in there. Send a hundred rand. Now, a hundred rand was quite a lot of money that time. So, send a hundred rand, and you stand, you stand a chance to win a Mercedes E230 or 300 or something like that. I can't remember. I thought to myself, this is my chance. This is my chance. I like that car. So, I send him my hundred bucks and I pray. I say, Jesus, that car is mine. I, I claim it. I frame it. I says, Jesus, I pray. You know I need a car. I'm going to write my license soon. I need a car. Jesus, that car is mine. I claim it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> when that competition happened, till this day, no one has phoned me back. In my old age, man. <laughs> my old age. <laughs> but you know what? Something that Jesus taught me that day about prayer. He says, someone manipulated you. And you think you can manipulate me through prayer. 
That was the biggest lesson I've learned as a Christian. And I said, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I made prayer all about myself. That I was so selfish when I prayed that prayer. Can you forgive me? Because all I want is you. I don't care about that, Mercedes. I really don't care about it. Even if Jesus had given it to me, it would have been probably the scrapyard now. But that what I have received that day was far more than what I bargained for. He taught me, I want to give you my presence. I want to give who I am to you. Friends, when I read this story about this disciple just looking at Jesus and he admired what he has seen. And he said to himself, this I don't have. I need that. I need to be conscious about God as Jesus is. I want to live in Narnia as little Lucy did. I want to see Aslan. That disciple got that day more than he was bargained for. Because Jesus taught him that when you pray, ask for the kingdom of God first. What prayer is made out of is God come first. The third thing that that disciple learned is that he should not be ashamed. He should... Have this little bit of courage. Not a little bit. He must have courage. He must like be David, like a little bit cheeky. Knowing he, he can push his dad a bit, you know. And then what that disciple has discovered is that God wants to give you his presence. He wants you to ask for his presence. You want to trust him for bread? And he want to give himself to you. Because no man lived by bread alone.